Welcome to the Sooners Extra Podcast Post Game Edition, powered by the Oklahoman. I'm your host, Ryan Aber, here with Barry Trammell and Abby Bitterman. The Sooners Extra Podcast is presented by Zaxby's. Satisfy your craving for hand-breaded chicken and fresh-made salads. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. Barry, I guess we just got to start off with the easy way. What the heck did we just watch? Well, the easy, when you, you threw me off because reminds me of a story. When my granddaughter was four, my wife and daughter took the girls to the movies. And somehow they got split up. So half went to the concession stand. Half was going in. <laughs> and when they were going in to get their tickets, Tinley was four. She went on ahead and the ticket taker was doing something and had Trish stand and wait for a minute. So Tinley got about 20 feet ahead of her. And she all of a sudden discovered she was by herself. And she turned around <laughs> and she said, what the hell just happened here? <laughs> so, <laughs> made me think of, <laughs> made me think of uh, what, what the hell did happen in Waco, I mean, Texas tonight? That's the only way to ask it, right? I mean, it was unbelievable. Let me t- well, here's what happened. History is what happened. Yeah. Oh, oh, we you saw are. an historic game. That's this, what we saw. This was uh, the biggest comeback for, for Oklahoma in their long history. What, uh, 21 previously? Is that right, Barry? 21 twice. Twice it happened. Iowa in 1970, 19- K-State 81, yep. right? Yep, that is correct. And uh, tonight they were down 28-3, to and I, I think uh, a lot of us, including probably all four of us in this car, as we have a, an interloper here, um, uh, were writing our stories and, and planning, you know, how to – to present what was a, a look like a completely disappointing performance by Oklahoma on all sides of the ball, and then all of a sudden in the second half, everything changed. Did anybody believe OU was coming back? Anybody I mean, in this I, car? No. What do you think the percentage was on the sideline? Because Jalen Hurts sort of threw down the mantle at us and said, none of y'all believed we were coming back, to which all of us said, <laughs> Well, you're dang right. We didn't think that. Yeah, of we got a lick we of didn't. sense. Listen, I watched. I watched C.D. Lamb walk around on the sideline, and we'll get to that later. But he was just walking around, holding the football, pacing back and forth, and he looked pretty nervous. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because he didn't have any he didn't control have any, over yeah, the outcome of it. I mean, it's sort of like uh, Parnell Motley sitting at the top of the ramp a couple weeks ago against Kansas State, and not having any control there. But, uh, yeah, I think from talking to guys after the game, and obviously Jalen Hurts uh, brought this up as you're talking, Barry, but it seemed like what this team went through against Kansas State, falling behind big and and coming back only to to fall just short, sort of put them in a better position to handle where they were tonight in that second quarter. That's a good point because, you know, they were way down and they had a chance to come back. They were down, what, 25 at K-State? Uh, yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. And they almost made it all the way back. Tonight they did make yeah. it all the way back. So, you know, here's the deal. They played really bad in the first half and unbelievable in the second half. The second half of football was – that ranks up there with some of those Texas massacres 
Yeah. As the best football that's been played at Oklahoma since the Barry Switzer era. Um, OU, after allowing uh, Baylor to score 31 points in the first half, held them scoreless in the second half, and only allowed them to get uh, 69 total yards of offense. So... Yeah, the, the defensive performance in the second half was, was unbelievable. Obviously, the two turnovers, and we'll talk more about those here uh, a, a little bit later in the podcast, but just the, the absolute control that that defense showed in the, in the second half after showing none in the first half outside of that first drive was incredible, and they did it from all angles. They did it by sure tackling than we've seen in a couple weeks especially last week against Iowa State when Oklahoma missed 13 tackles I think it was 13 13 or 14 uh, I think I wrote uh, in, in Saturday's Oklahoma and they got pressure up front Ronnie Perkins was fantastic in this game uh, you know Kenneth Murray made it made some big plays in this one and then obviously uh, Nick Benito with the, the late interception and Parnell Motley uh, with the uh, the strip for the first turnover, but uh, really this was probably Alex Grinch's finest hour to this point, and it wasn't just the second half performance, which is obviously a big part of it, but the adjustments that they made there after uh, just doing nothing early. Well, Charlie Brewer killed them in the first half. They couldn't contain the Baylor quarterback. Uh, they had good pressure, but he'd get away from them. Uh, get out of jail free is what what Alex Grinch kept calling it and he would scramble for big yardage and in the second half that didn't happen he got when they got when he got hemmed in he was hemmed in and the second half domination was crazy now the truth of the matter is Baylor's not that good on offense um, there's no reason why Baylor should have had 31 first half points right but you know if you're going to give up 31 in the first half, Put your foot on them in the second half like they did. Baylor had 16 plays in the second half. Six on the final drive. Yeah, they didn't have a first down in the second half until that final drive when they got uh, two of them back-to-back, and that was it for them uh, after halftime. Yeah, well, they, they had one. They had that off interference penalty. Okay. Right before that, on the, on the fourth drive of the half. But they didn't earn one until then, and it was a case of it, it, it was a case of complimentary football. Because the Oklahoma offense, meanwhile, ate up huge chunks of time with long, extended drives. Yeah, I, I and, that, and and unlike the Baylor offense, the Baylor defense is really good. It's the strength of the team. Yeah, they were getting all over the field on, on Oklahoma early. But Abby, to to Barry's point about Oklahoma, the way that they were able to sort of grinded out they didn't score fast in the second half or in the yeah in the second half and it was really difficult for them to do much quickly without cd lamb tonight and we'll talk about that a little bit more but the way oklahoma was able to stay within the framework of what they wanted to do offensively they didn't panic even down big they stuck with what was working for them and ran the football pretty consistently obviously jalen hurts had a big day running the football as well but uh I thought that was a little bit different from maybe what we've seen the last couple weeks Yeah, where they I, got away from running the football especially. Yeah, and I think that that goes back to the point of, you know, that they learned something in that loss to Kansas State because when they were down big to Kansas State, I think they were just trying to, you know, um, press and, like, push 
and get points as fast as they could because they kind of needed to. Whereas tonight, or well, now yesterday, but um, against Baylor, they you know really tried to slow it down, uh, ran the ball a lot. Like you said, Kennedy Brooks was actually involved a lot uh, late in the game, either catching passes or running the ball. Um, and so he really got used a lot more, whereas in the second half of the Kansas State game, Lincoln Riley was like, well, we had to score. Like, the the way the game went kind of dictated how we could use the running backs. But, you know, in this, this time around, they didn't let the game dictate what they were going to do. Instead, Lincoln Riley kind of stuck to the game plan, I think, probably a little bit more. And... Um, you know, just did what they had planned, and I think it and it worked out for them. Yeah, and I, Barry, I think most people uh, would point to a couple plays as the play of the game, either Nick Benito's interception that sealed the game or uh, Gabe Burkich's field goal uh, that put Oklahoma ahead. But Kennedy Brooks had a massive play that uh, we were talking about earlier is right there up there with those as, as the biggest play of this game. I thought it was the biggest play. It's, Sooners have gotten a tie, 31-31, get a stop, Baylor punts, pins them back pretty deep. I think they were at the 22, I think, or maybe the 27. Maybe it's 27. Anyway, first play, first down, Jalen Hurts gets sacked. All of a sudden, it's second and 18 in a tie game. Midway through the fourth quarter, you have to punt there, and all of a sudden, advantage Baylor. And they run one of those zone read stretch plays, and uh, Kennedy Brooks zips around the corner and goes 32 yards. And at that point, I think I walked over to you at that point and said, oh, you was going to win this game. Yeah, and you did. I think that's right. As that was the key play because that meant the Sooners had – everything you want they had field position they had momentum and they, they had, had a the kicker t- that they, they relied on and they have the and they had the time they were controlling the time yeah so you know they could play for a field goal at that point knowing that even if they had to settle for a kick they could they could put Baylor in a bad situation because the one thing the OU defense did really even in the first half was they didn't give up a lot of big plays to Baylor and Baylor that's how they sort of live on offense. Yeah. So um yeah, that Kennedy Brooks play I thought was the biggest play of the game. Yeah. All right, we're going to we're going to take a break uh there on the Sooners Extra podcast. We'll come back to talk about uh, some other stuff in this game. The 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 turnovers, Jalen Hurts, CD Lamb, Gabe Burkich, uh, and how this day uh, affected Oklahoma's chances moving forward to accomplish the things that they want to accomplish. This is the Sooners Extra Podcast. I'm Ryan Aber here with Barry Trammell and Abby Bitterman. And uh, the Sooners Extra Podcast is presented by Zaxby's. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Sooners Extra Podcast, powered by the Oklahoma and the Sooners Extra Podcast, as always, presented by Zaxby's. Uh, and Barry, wanted to talk to you about uh, Gabe Burkich's kick at the end. Burkich has been fantastic this year since uh, since taking over for, for Callum Sutherland there. 
uh, early in the season after Sutherland's uh, off-the-field issues. It's been a long time since an Oklahoma kicker has had to make a kick uh, like that in the last two minutes of a game to uh, lift his team to victory. Um, we saw Austin Seibert get a couple chances to do it during his career, miss both of those. But the, these aren't opportunities that come around very often at all. No, they're not. Maybe OU's had one in the last two minutes since uh, Scott Blanton in 92 at Syracuse, but I don't remember what it, which one it was, where it was. I mean, I can't either. It, so, like I said, it doesn't. And he's been clutch. You know, he was clutch at Manhattan. He went four yeah. for four in Manhattan, including two long ones. So um, he's been a great find. You know, I'd, I'd really probably want to sit down with Lincoln Riley and really interrogate him on how they made the original decision and who's responsible and, you know, when's their last day. That's <laughs> that's generally what I would want to know. But, yeah, he was great. And um, he actually had to make it twice because uh, the clock yeah, was ticking down. Oh, you called the timeout to avoid the delay of game. Um, but he zipped them both in there. So um, very clutch play. Sooners actually had a pretty good day on the on the kicking side, some good punts. Uh but not uh, a couple of major penalties on returns. Drake Stoops looked shaky on punt returns. Yeah. But Gabe Burkich, very solid kicking the ball through the upright. Yeah, yeah. and Ab- Abby, you got to uh, delve a little bit deeper into Gabe Burkich's backstory uh, this week. A, a guy who I know his high school coach just raved about the job that he did for him there mm-hmm. and uh obviously just been fantastic uh during his time with the Sooners yeah I mean his high school coach told me that he started Gabe started as a soccer player and only kicked kind of on the side um would practice kicking for like an hour or so a week and then went to some kicking camps saw it was something he could be really good at and got a lot more serious about it and uh, his coach told me that because, you know, he was never a position player or anything and he hadn't played like his whole life, he didn't really have a big ego about him and that that's kind of the perfect menta- like the perfect kind of mindset you want in a kicker. And it's proved to be true so far because he's 12 for 12 right now. And you, you said his coach was from West Texas. Yes. Do you know yes. where at in West Texas? Lubbock. Did he, he's from Lubbock, is he yep. really? Yes. Well, that's wild. Yep, he but he uh, played college football at Ohio University. Uh, Andrew Mooney is his name. The and, other OU. Yep, the other OU. And he said that he uh, never went back much after he left, but followed the Big 12 a lot, knew Lincoln Riley. And so when Lincoln Riley uh, came to, or didn't know him, but knew of Lincoln Riley. Um, so when Lincoln Riley came to Ohio to recruit Gabe, uh, he knew it was he knew it was a pretty big deal. Yeah, and after the game, uh, got a chance to talk with several OU players, but yeah. uh, Charleston Rambo especially talked about his feelings around the kick and said that uh, you know there was really no worry with him because of what he'd seen, seen Gabe Burkich do in practice every day when they put him into pressure situations and obviously when they put him into pressure situations there's nothing like what he faced tonight but there was seemed to be an air of calm around Lincoln Riley around the rest of the team when Gabe Burkett went out there there was not a a whole lot of uh, gnashing of teeth 
during those moments uh, before the kick. Well, here's the deal. OU is used to excellent kicking. Austin Seibert's done the last four years. He's now the kicker for the Cleveland Browns, and he's been the only stable thing <laughs> in Northeast Ohio this football season. Yeah. It's been phenomenal. So, Seibert uh, was an excellent kicker. But the one time last season that OU well, really the, needed him to make well, a the, kick. The two times during his career. Two times during his career. But, yeah. may, but you know, the block against Georgia, I don't know. Yeah, but, I, I, but last year they needed him to make a kick to beat Army at the end of regulation, a short one, yeah. not very long, and he missed it. So kicking when the game's on the line is different than at any other time. Uh, Burkich sort of did that in Manhattan. Um, you know, he makes one there at the end that they had to have just to stay in one possession type game. Yeah. And, and he did it with ease. So they sort of had confidence that, you know, he's done it before, but it's very good. You know, Baylor was has the same thing. They've got a guy that's won two games this year. Uh, John Meyer, he made a 49 or a 51, 49 or 51 last week to get him to overtime with TCU. Yeah, I think it was a 51 if I'm not so mistaken. So when you, when you got a kicker that's done it or you know can do it, it really helps. Yeah, there's, there's no doubt about that. Um, Abby wanted to move to something we – learned about early in the game or really before the game started hearing uh you know talk that cd lamb wouldn't play he didn't play in this game obviously a big loss and and forced oklahoma to do some different things offensively lincoln riley said they knew at least coming into the day that they wouldn't have cd lamb he went through warm-ups which was more uh sort of an act of showmanship uh, Lincoln Riley trying to you know make Baylor think that they were going to have to deal with C.D. Lamb, but it changed the dynamic of Oklahoma's offense early in the game, but then they were able to adjust to it. Oh, for sure. Um, you know, C.D. Lamb probably Oklahoma, not even probably Oklahoma's best player for sure. So that was. I mean, Gabe Burkich is the oh, only other option okay, right yeah, now, Gabe right? Gabe Burkich also <laughs> a leading candidate for that role. You're but, right. But no, C.D. Lamb is Oklahoma's best player. I don't think there's yeah. any doubt about that I think it's been evident for the last month and was even more evident tonight yeah so that loss I mean for them is pretty big you know and and like you said before it was reported by the OU Daily and other people that CD Lamb was questionable but then you know I mean could have fooled us because you get to warm-ups and you know he's all suited up going through them and then all of a sudden he's on the sideline no helmet just a red and white beanie on his head and he's he's not playing um so i i think that that was a big loss for you you know in the second half he comes out in street clothes and is just pacing like i said before just pacing around the sidelines with a football in his hands you know going into the offensive meetings but just walking around um you know cheering on like any other fan uh but because he was out that kind of allowed a lot of guys to to step up you know um uh lee morris i don't think i don't think i would have known it if i hadn't looked at the stat sheet but lee morris was actually ou's leading receiver um the three guys that caught touchdowns tonight uh austin stogner is that how you say it yeah austin stogner yeah theo weiss and braden willis right willis all of those guys caught either their the first touchdown of the their career or the second touchdown of their career tonight. and then austin so, sogner added another one yeah 
Austin Stockner had two. It was the first time he'd ever caught a touchdown or scored a touchdown. Brayden Willis's first touchdown. And uh, Theo Weiss's second touchdown. So, you know, CeeDee Lamb clearly hurt the Sooners being out, but they were able to adjust, especially with um, a lot of those younger guys kind of filling in that role. I thought Lee Morris was big time tonight. He made two or three catches over the middle where he got popped good right after. Yeah. Baylor's a hard-hitting team. That's a good defense, and those guys hit hard. And Lee Morris had two or three catches, clutch catches over the middle, and he got clobbered right after catching the ball, and he held on. I thought it was his – I mean, he, you know, Kyler Murray loved throwing him the ball, a lot of touchdowns last year. But I thought this was his finest moment as a Sooner. Yeah, I think the overall performance for Lee Morris, this was the best one. He's had – some big long touchdown catches uh, that sort of pop off the page at you. But as far as overall performance, the amount of big-time plays that were made in the game, Lee Morris was uh, phenomenal tonight. Like like Barry said, his best performance is a Sooner. I thought that uh, getting Austin Stogner and Braden Willis especially involved in the, the passing game was huge for Oklahoma that they were able to, again, adjust to the reality of life without C.D. Lamb. We'll see how long that lasts for the Sooners, although Charleston Rambo sort of uh, gave us some news there during his uh, post-game interview when he said that C.D. Lamb would be ready next week, which is not something that Lincoln Riley was prepared to say. Uh, so if C.D. Lamb is back, clearly he's the best receiver on this team and the best player on this team but at least you feel better about what they've got around him to this point. What I found interesting was that without CD, they became, it's clear, they became more churned-out team. Not as many yeah. big plays. Um, they had two pass plays longer than 17 yards. One was a nice intermediate throw to A.D. Miller Yeah. Uh, for 22 yards. A.D. Miller, another guy pressed into action right. uh, in and a then bigger they way had tonight. A, they had that little catch little swing pass to Rambo that he turned into a 28-yarder. Yeah. But it's a case of, you know, the Sooners had to get their their yardage in smaller chunks tonight. C.D. Lamb is a big reason why, his void. Yeah, they, they no doubt did. We're going to take another break there. We're going to be back on the other side. Uh, please, if you get a chance, give us a review in the, uh, the uh, Apple uh, podcast app. Google Google Podcasts, wherever you listen. Uh, we really appreciate it. Once again, this is the Sooners Extra Podcast presented by Zaxby's. Welcome back to the Sooners Extra Podcast presented by Zaxby's. Once again, I'm your host, Ryan Aber, here with Abby Bitterman, and Barry Trammell and uh, Abby Jalen Hurts couldn't have been more different from the first half to the second half struggled in the first half I thought made some not so great decisions obviously had a couple turnovers did have the one fumble in the second half that at the time you sort of wondered eh is this their last chance to get back into the game as he fumbled right before he crossed the end zone but overall, Jalen Hurts was phenomenal after halftime. Yeah, I mean, to the point about his ball control, I remember turning to you at some point during the game and saying that his ball control lacks something to be desired. And he himself, after the game, just put, flat out said it. He said, my ball control 
it sucks. Um, so, you know, though, he was able to turn it around and kind of, you know, steadily lead uh, the offense on drives um, to go down and score and kind of not, not get too frantic. Um, yeah, I think overall, though, in the second half, a lot better than the first. Better decision-making, not exactly better holding on to the ball, but definitely better in the second half. I didn't think, even in the second half, it didn't seem like the game came easy No, to the OU offense or to Hurts. Yeah. You didn't see receivers running wild and clear. Right. When Hurts when would scramble, you know, there wasn't 12 yards of free li- running lane. There was four yards of free running lane. Right. And then, then all of a sudden he was surrounded by enemies. But I thought he did a great job in the second half of fighting through it and getting four yards on second and seven, which means third and three is more manageable, of, of making a good short pass. You know, he threw, I thought, way more – in fact, I'm trying to think. I think all night he only threw one or two deep balls. Yeah, there there wasn't many. There was the one that uh, one late to Theo Weiss. On, yeah, the Theo Weiss one. They missed one to was it Basquin there right outside the end zone that was just sort of a little bit high. Um, yeah, and then the one that was intercepted was fairly deep. Yeah, and uh, so, but uh, you know, to me, they took what they were able to get, and and Hurts fought through the adversity. The truth of the matter is, here's what I think about Jalen Hurts. He pretty much lost the Heisman last week or fell out of the Heisman race. Yeah. Everybody did. Joe Burrow's going to win it. Yeah, I don't but, think there's – But today sort of confirmed that. Nobody watched that game and said, oh, i got to vote for Jalen Hurts for the Heisman. However, I think similar to the Texas game, you know – the people at OU will tell you they think Hurts sort of became a Sooner down in Dallas. Yeah. Winning that game sort of forces you to choose sides. And Hurts seemed to have a different persona after putting on the golden hat and that kind of stuff. I felt a little bit of the same way today because he he sort of waxed philosophical before he started taking questions today, which he likes to do. Yeah. But usually he's got something to say that really doesn't mean anything. (laughs) Today he did. Which was, hey, these guys embraced me, elected me captain um, without barely knowing me. And he said, and I, I let them down tonight. I played terrible, and they picked me up, and we had a great victory. And I thought this was like, this, this made him, along with the Texas game, this made him more of a Sooner than anything else that's happened. Yeah, and I also thought it was interesting the way that he sort of celebrated the win. That uh, you know, we saw a smiling Jalen Hurts. It wasn't uh, a rarity. The the stoicism dropped away a little bit, especially after he gave uh, Lincoln Riley gave him a big uh, embrace there in the end zone afterwards. So it, it seemed like he enjoyed this a little bit, maybe differently than any of the other games outside of obviously the texas game all right i i had my nose to the grindstone working did they do any on-field interviews after the game abc did anybody I see i believe they did and i only uh know that because i saw a still on twitter 
that I think was from the sideline reporter in the game, who I'd be lying if I told you that I knew Maria Taylor. Yes, Maria Maria Taylor. Taylor. Sorry, it's uh, I, I don't get to pay attention to a whole lot of broadcast crew and things like that, but. Um, I, Maria Taylor tweeted something about Jalen Jalen Hurts, Jalen Davis, Jalen Hurts, and uh, the the performance and the comeback that he put together. So yeah, so yeah, I think there was a post game interview there with him. Well, I just thought I thought this was Hurts fighting through a bad game and being productive in the end. And to me, that was very very exemplary of a guy. This wasn't. You know, Houston completing 16 of 18 or whatever it was. This was everything came hard, and he still found a way to get it done. Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, Abby, one more thing on the game real quick. Got to talk about the turnovers defensively mentioned. Touched on them very briefly earlier, but uh, Parnell Motley, the big strip there as Baylor gets the uh, big run. And it looks like they're in great position to score again. And Parnell Motley bats it out from behind. They're able to recover it. Pat Fields and, picks it up. Yeah, Pat Fields uh, grabs it and gets the ball back in the Sooners' hands. Oklahoma didn't score on the next drive, but at least you take it out of Baylor and, and get in better field position to defend. And then Nick Benito, just moments after it looked like he had dropped a, a sure game-winning, uh, game-sealing interception, uh, picks off one that was even more difficult than the one he dropped on the very next play on the very next play and uh put the game away yeah i mean uh we talked about on the podcast it was talked it was asked um at availabilities and talked about all week you know would parnell motley's interception on the two-point conversion try last week against ohio state kind of open the floodgates for this defense in terms of actually getting takeaways that that counted in the record books because that one didn't but in the first half it didn't look anywhere close like that was going to be true and in the second half all of a sudden they get one and I feel like maybe everyone in the press box was like oh there fine the first one since September you know about time kind of and then all of a sudden they've got two and the second one is even bigger than the first in terms of you know the the outcome of the game I would say so you know Alex like we've said before Alex Grinch said that the goal was to get to a game and you know they finally reached their goal yeah it had certainly been a while for him for him but uh Barry let's take a look at uh, what today meant for the Sooners and, and not just talking about OU but everything that happened nationally you know we saw uh, Alabama win but Tua Tungavailoa uh, basically break his hip I guess it sounds like dislocated his hip maybe and is out for the year uh, Minnesota falls to Iowa just a week after their big time win uh, against Penn State what do you make about how the rest of the day treated the Sooners? It was a very good day for Oklahoma. Um, not everything that they wanted to happen. Arizona uh, didn't put up a fight against Oregon. UCLA didn't put up a fight against Utah. The Pac-12 suddenly is OU's chief competition for the playoff berth. But Minnesota losing helps a ton. Um, Georgia losing to or Georgia beating Auburn. Um, You'd probably have preferred an Auburn victory, but that's another team the Sooners, um, you know, don't have to worry about now. 
So it's a case of I think the Sooners are going to jump up to that 7-8 range. And Alabama with Tua out is going to be an interesting case. Can they beat Auburn without Tua? I don't know. Yeah, and even if they do beat Auburn, what does their resume look like overall, say, if Oklahoma is able to win out, win the Big 12, have that conference championship, and if Alabama does beat Auburn again, they wouldn't be the division champions, they wouldn't make it to the SEC championship game, and they'd be playing minus you know, one of the most dynamic players in football. Yeah, so it was a good day. Um, it's still not – it's now going to be easy – to win out, and it's not going to be easy to make the playoffs if you do win out. But it there is but a clear, least, there is a clearer path than it looked like. I mean, they've we, we've we've cut out some of the brush from out of the from out of the woods. Yeah, and it, you know, every year we talk about these doomsday scenarios that you know everything could blow up. But every year there's crazy stuff that happens in the last month of the season that makes everything a little bit clearer and every week it seems to come a little bit more into focus and this was another one of those weeks yeah and and you know now all of a sudden Sooners have to you have to say they're the favorite to win the big 12 championship Oklahoma and Baylor are almost surely going to meet in Arlington um the magic number for both teams for each team is one and Baylor still has Kansas on their schedule Baylor has Kansas so if OU if OU beats TCU next week that's it's set um but if you know, if, if the Sooners had had lost that game today, they're opening. They might not even made it to Arlington because all of yeah, a sudden OSU's back. Then in. all of a sudden, Bedlam is a play-in game. Bedlam is is almost surely for the uh, for the for the uh, championship game berth. So it was a very good day for Oklahoma. Uh, we'll see what happens out west. Clemson's not going to lose. I don't think Ohio State's going to LSU. You don't even want LSU to lose because they're yeah. probably going to well, lose to Georgia. Well, at this point, do you want Ohio State to lose? Because maybe not. Maybe not. Unless it's to Michigan, maybe. Right. So but you certainly don't want them to lose to, to like, Penn Minnesota State or Penn State. Yeah. Just, uh, so it was a good day. They're in better shape than they were. And 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 you know, in in the committee's eyes, it's almost a case of this was the best case scenario because. We talked about this earlier in the week. Yeah, brought it up uh, Wednesday night with yeah. Lincoln Riley. I, oh. I, I assume you're going to make the point that I think you're going to make. Yeah, OU might have been better off squeaking by Baylor than blowing Baylor out because the committee was not all that enamored with Baylor. That's the committee's problem. That's their fault. To me, Baylor's resume was very good. Yeah, much think, much more deserving than a number twelve. Yeah, the 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 Baylor's non conference schedule, uh, I think, hurt it uh, more than maybe was deserved. And then obviously they're they're close games, but they were generally close wins over uh, you know pretty solid teams, with with some exceptions there. But and, um, and you know they had they had two road wins over top twenty five teams. Now K State's going to fall out. But right. I, I didn't go through the I didn't go through the uh, through the list today. But uh, I think the current top twenty five. I think Baylor is the only team on there with two road wins over teams in the top twenty five. So the committee was undervaluing Baylor. And if OU had beat them forty eight to ten, the committee would have not said, "Oh, Oklahoma's unbelievable." They'd have said, "Well, we knew Baylor wasn't that good." Right. So beating Baylor twenty four seventeen or thirty four thirty one might actually improve the stock of the Sooners and 
to do it the way they did it, to come back from 28-3, everybody in that committee room's got to be impressed by that. So just the the way they won was probably best-case scenario. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. It'll be interesting, interesting to see what the committee has to say on Tuesday night. Uh, Abby, Barry, and I have hogged a, a, a pretty fair amount of this segment, so what? any uh, parting thoughts for us? Uh, sick of Jesus. Oh, yeah, we didn't even bring that up. we got to bring that up. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, I be- think... Before the game, Abby, we had a, an interesting moment in the pregame prayer. Yeah, well, the pregame prayer took all kinds of twists and turns, you know. Started off like a usual prayer, and then uh, I think the man said something about, you know, God being dressed in green and gold or something, um, and started praying specifically for Baylor, but then made it about both teams and ended not with an amen, but with Sikkim Jesus. What'd you make of that, Barry? Not too much. I got to tell you that. I didn't like that one bit. In fact, you can tell them what I did. You can tell everybody well. what I did. You can tell them. I, you have my permission to tell them. And this was you, before Sikkim Jesus. Yeah. This was before Sikkim well, Jesus. Before Sikkim Jesus, Barry, ever the respectful Christian, was standing up for the prayer and sat down during the prayer because? It's bogus. Just a sham. Guy on the guy on there listening to his beautiful own words. I don't. I'm not sitting there. I don't mess with. I don't mess with people who don't take prayer seriously. Yeah, it's, it should be something solemn. It's, yeah, and, I mean, if, if you're going to pray, and I, it's Baylor University, I, I understand. Pray before the game, but don't make a mockery of it. Don't make it a slapstick. Yeah. Not vaudeville. <laughs> and then when and, he said "sick him, Jesus," I was well. And uh, that's it for me, Barry. I, I loved your line and. You know, we love to uh, kick around Seinfeld references here, but love a Seinfeld you, reference. You, you said in the uh, report card that shouldn't the Sikkim Jesus line shouldn't offend you as a Sooner; it should offend you as a Christian. Well, yeah, I mean, I just I didn't like it at all. And Baylor, you know, there's a lot to admire about Baylor. I like Baylor. Lots of things about well, Baylor, especially I like. under Matt Rule. I love yes. Matt Rule. I think that's been pretty well documented. <laughs> but read the Oklahoman on Saturday right. if you don't believe that. But I didn't like the Baptist pastor from Pearland. I can promise you that. Yeah. So a, a weird start to the game. A wild into the game. So much uh, went on on Saturday night on the the Brazos. But uh, we're going to wrap it up there. We'll be back early in the week talking some more about this game i'm sure some some post-game reaction some monday reaction and then obviously looking ahead to next week's game against tcu which will be yet another night game oklahoma's third in a row as we found out tonight and if oklahoma wins one of their last two they'll be in the big 12 championship game thank you so much for joining us on the sooners extra podcast i'm ryan aber here with barry trammell and abby bitterman please if you would like to reach out to us You can email me, R-A-B-E-R, at Oklahoman.com. On Twitter, at R-Y-A-B-E-R. Abby? At Abby underscore Bitterman on Twitter and A-Bitterman at Oklahoman.com. And Barry? Uh, Speaking of Bitterman, just call me. Just call (laughs) me. Guy this week called me. He said, I listened to the podcast, and he said, I heard you say just call me, so I'm calling you, and he had a question for me. So 
Call me, 405-760-8080. Get off the Twitter. Go live out in this big, beautiful, <laughs> wonderful world. I don't know if I'm quite ready to give out my cell phone number on the, the podcast, but uh, Barry's fantastic uh, about that, and it's always uh, interesting to hear the people that call him. When I'm around, I'm sure there's uh, plenty when, when I'm not. But, uh, again, thank you so much for joining us on the Sooners Extra Podcast, which is presented by Zaxby's. Satisfy your craving for hand-breaded chicken and fresh-made salads today. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. You can check out our work every day at oklahoman.com and every morning in the Oklahoman for the best OU coverage anywhere. <laughs>